one thing I learned from my mom is how to survive <laughs> under any circumstance. We figure out how to make it through. And so during that trip, I, I said, okay, I'm just going to play music until I can't do it anymore and see where that goes. That was musician Irene Espiritu. I'm Jeff. Welcome to Storied San Francisco, a weekly podcast where San Franciscans from all walks of life share their stories, and you get to know your neighbors. Just a reminder that we're having a sale on our Love Letters to the City posters, with all proceeds going to our friend, artist and designer of the poster, Lil Tuffy. Go to the store page on our website for more info. In this podcast, Irene talks about the story of her life as a musician. She ends with her work establishing color-coded symphony. We left off in part one with Irene being inspired by open mics she was going to in the city. Here's Irene. I think uh, I started dating this guy um, in the same music circle, and he really was the one that got me to start writing songs again. And um, You said earlier you were writing, but not fast enough. Was w- that just a standard that you put on yourself or? Yes. Okay. 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 <laughs> I was just, you know, I can get be really hard on myself and I know a lot of people do. Yeah. And so I just got frustrated and I just gave it up. And okay. uh, so I did, you know, took a break. Mm-hmm. And um, then I started dating this guy and he was a, a great songwriter. Mm-hmm. So I was encouraged to, actually, what got me into writing again was, um, we, we saw the movie The Jerk, mm-hmm. and, you know, Steve Martin with the ukulele, and I thought, <laughs> oh, okay, that just sounds like fun. So I bought my first ukulele at the Hate Street Music yes. store. R.I.P. I know, I know. And, and it, was, it was at the time where the ukulele wasn't as popular, so I think they only had two ukuleles in the store, so I bought this old used one, the Soprano. That used to be sold at, you know, Montgomery Wards right. or something like that. Yeah. And uh, so I played with that thing. And Did you kind of te- teach yourself? I or? taught myself. Yeah. I knew basic guitar, so, you know, it was, um, but I mostly tinkered with it by ear. Mm-hmm. And I just got addicted. Yeah. And I played that thing. I swear I would fall asleep with the with the <laughs> ukulele by my side. That's awesome. And um and then I started writing songs again. That's really what got me to between my ex and um and the ukulele, I started writing songs again. Okay. And performing And performing. Still at open mics or getting getting more and more, playing oh. more and more, uh, showcases and Okay. Um and then and then we, my ex and I, started actually becoming a duo. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we did that for f- five years. Was there a name for that band or just your names? Uh, just our names. Got it. Yeah. Um, Irina Spiritu and Rick Didia. Okay. And then, uh, and then we broke up and we moved out of our, we moved out of our place and then I lost my day job uh, nine years ago. Okay. And uh, I thought, oh, what do I do now? You know, um, so... I went to Vegas to just kind of put all, pull all my stuff in storage. Mm-hmm. Went to Vegas to stay with my mom for a little bit till I okay, figure so out. Okay, your mom, your mom moved out. Yeah, she moved okay. to Vegas. Okay. Uh, found somebody, uh, and so uh, they're a lot happier in Vegas. It retired, and so I stayed with her. And she says, "You know, I'm going to go to the Philippines to visit your grandma. Do you want to come?" And I said, "Sure, I got the time." And uh, what, so I visited her and then I said, well, I'm in Southeast Asia anyway. I may as well explore 
you know, the rest of Southeast Asia. So I had a friend in Bangkok, so I saw her, and then I went to Chiang Mai by myself, and then Cambodia. And during that time, I got some time alone, and I said, you know what? I, the only thing I can think of doing right now is just playing music. Just so, diving in. Yeah, and I don't know how long I'm going to do this, but I have to... You know, I was really, it was a hard time because I had low self-esteem and, you know, I, I was, because I was shy, I wasn't used to talking to the audience. It was mostly, you know, my ex that was the front face of, of the duo. And so I had to teach myself to talk more and, you know, be out there more, I think by survival. Yeah. And so but you had just experienced two pretty major losses right your relationship and your job yeah and my house so, and ha my house and, a place. And your place to live so you're <laughs> yeah. like you, you of course everyone reacts to loss and, and and things like that differently but but a lot of times what people do is either re completely reinvent themselves or or take something and take a kernel of something and like turn it into Mm -hmm. something new it sounds like that's what what you were doing yeah well one thing I learned from my mom is how to survive <laughs> under any circumstance we figure out how to make it through and so during that trip I I said okay I'm just gonna play music until I can't do it anymore and see where that goes I did have you no play over there I did not okay I had no was, plan but you but it was the inspiration it was the inspiration okay. and I uh I contacted all my friends across the country. The good thing about the exodus of some people leaving San Francisco is they, they go all over the country and I get to visit them. You hear that, y'all? If y'all want to move, just <laughs> give me your number. That's right. So I planned this tour and I contacted all my friends across the country. So I got to see friends I haven't seen in a long time and uh, they helped me find, a pl find places to play. Mm -hmm. So it was double bonus. And it was great. And I said, all right, I'm just going to. And, you know, I learned over time how to be more confident playing by myself. And I played better. And then uh, and then I ended up, you know, I said I would give myself goals for the year. And I said, this year I want to go to Europe. I want to go to um, play in Europe. And, you know, every time I worry about something, something always comes to save the day. Yeah. You know, so I had an opportunity to turn in, in Germany mostly wow. for, I think, maybe four or five times. And um, and also, you know, I think, so it's been nine years now. Okay. And I just kept going and going. And Can I ask that first tour when you when you came back from Asia? Um, yeah. Did you, did you write a whole set of your own original, or like, or were you borrowing from stuff that you already had? Both, or? Okay. yeah. Because I said, you know, part of the task is I need to, you know, what am I going to play? Is Do I have enough material? So I had to force myself to, you know, create create set lists and stuff like that. So you wrote some new stuff. And you, you were, yeah, yeah you but not all new. I, I did have to borrow some stuff just to kind of, you know, just to be put myself out there. And But I did end up coming out with some new songs, some, some that were inspired by my experience. Right. You know, and and what happened to me? So there was some some you know little nuggets there that I that I that was given to me to work with. Yeah. So that made it a little bit helpful. <laughs> That's another kind of aspect of of loss um, when you when I happen to think that we are all creative in, in one way or another. But yeah. when you're actually an artist, you have that to draw on. That's true. And it's it's a chicken and egg because it's like, well, I can I can use that to inform my art, but also that's my 
therapy. That's right. It's like a yeah, it's like singing the blues makes you feel better. But yeah, the first year was a challenge because everything was new. A little scary? A little scary, but this is going to be maybe crazy sounding. But I remember, so all my stuff was packed in my car. I was ready to hit the road and I had lunch with a friend of mine. And we were, you know, we just said goodbye and I was walking to my car. And <laughs> somehow everything turned black and white and it froze. Okay. You Believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... And for a split second, I heard this deep, dark voice say, you are where you're supposed to be. (laughs) I wasn't on drugs or or anything, I swear. Um, Um, But it was more like in your life, in the universe. It was something. the right thing. Yeah, it was something from the universe that Um, came, I swear. And things were black and white, it was frozen, and the voice came, and then it was back to normal again. Mm. And... I just kind of froze, like, what the hell was that? And got in my car and took off. Where'd you go? (laughs) Um, I think it was when I was headed to Vegas. Okay. Actually. Okay. Um, And so the first year, I remember, I remember, um, and I've I've told many people this, I, you know, packed my car. It was like a, like a, you know, routine. I load, unload my car wherever I was staying because I didn't want anyone to break in. So everything was... You know, but I had, I, w- I would freak out in the first year. I freaked out like two to three times. Same same scenario. I was in a grocery store. I was next in line and I was watching the person before me and they're buying their groceries. And I would start to think, what the hell am I doing in my 40s, you know, with no home. And, and these people are going into their own homes, cooking their own meals in their own dishes and pots and pans. And what the hell are you doing? And but it only only last for like a minute or two. And then I think, well, no, this is, you know, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else right now. I'm supposed to be here. And uh, this is your chance to, to, to explore. And so, but after like the second or third time, I thought you can't, okay, stop. You can't keep freaking out like this. Right. So I, <laughs> I got like this big green tub and I stuffed it with like my coffee maker, my olive oil, my spices, my blender. It has everything I need. Kitchen. My kitchen. Your so kitchen. it was my little green tub kitchen. And over the years, so I stopped freaking out after that. That's all I needed. I just needed my own kitchen in my car. <laughs> so, so over the years, within the last nine years, I've kind of revised it, you know, a little bit. So, um, so I have like a bag now of, and I, I only go grocery shopping maybe like once a week or sometimes I'll eat out and whatever's convenient. And so, um, so it's, it's a lot, you know, I got it down, I think. Uh, so in my search, you know, I just started playing and playing and playing. Um, being in Germany really helped me a lot because I was booked for 21 days in a row. So nonstop, you know, um, that's a lot of work. It's a lot, but it also pushed me to be better. Because imagine every day, you know, you have to load in and, and you're forced to engage with the audience. So that was a big push for me to communicate more and, you know, learn a lot of things. Were, were you seeing um, either in Europe or, or in, when, when you were touring around the States, like how were people responding to your music? Um, I think so. I mean, I don't really remember most of the scenario, but I think so. And people, I would get some encouragement 
uh, I mostly remember the encouragement, you know, um, like, wow, that's, that's great that you're doing that. You're doing something that a lot of people wish they could do. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I was, it wasn't my choice. It kind of happened to me. You know, I didn't, I didn't actually want to quit my job. Right. Um, I liked where I worked, and, the, and and in fact, they gave me some projects after that that helped tremendously. And so um, I just kept going and going, and, and I would get some feedback, and I started doing house concerts. And um, that was, I realized that was a sustainable um, thing to do because all the money goes to the artists. It's very intimate. You get to know the audience, and... Um, I started becoming more comfortable talking more and you know um, so I just kept going and going and and before you know it it's nine months I mean nine years later yeah here we are here we are (laughs) but um, two years ago um, well in 2014 I think I I said I had you know it's time to record my my album of my stuff mm-hmm. in a studio in a studio okay. and I found um, this guy Ed Tree from LA okay. or San Gabriel and I found him through um, Folk Alliance uh, which is a you know a regional folk, folk organization nonprofit it's like a community of people and there's a conference every year okay and so I would go and I would meet people and network and that's how I found some of these house concerts and um so there was this raffle in LA. They were holding the last co- conference in LA, and somehow I just my gut told me to go with him. And I didn't know anything about him, but I always go by my gut. So I contacted him, and it was the best decision ever. We recorded this album, and I started sending it out to places, and it started getting some, uh, you know, good reviews, good replies, right. and um, so he says, you know, we need to. You should form a band. Now mm. you've got you know, this album with all these other instrumentations. So with his encouragement, we formed this band and he knew some people down there. And so, um, and I also started house sitting down there and it was a paid house sitting gig. So it was a double bonus. (laughs) So uh, we formed a band down there and I said, well, you know, I need, our band was called Irene and the Rarities. So I said, I need a a rare Irene and the Rarities in Northern California. So I, formed the band up here okay and then uh and then eventually uh i renamed it the itch but that's another story okay um, had you prior to forming this band after recording had you been doing all the instrumentation yourself or it was, you, it, before that it was just me and my ukulele yeah it was all you yeah it was okay. all me okay. and uh yeah so i'd never had my own band. I usually I just sing for other bands this is the first time that it was my band so now you're adding Bass and drums. And Bass and drum. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and so and another guitar player. Okay. So it was just you know trial and error and and survival and learning as you go and um, I think over time I just started getting more confident and mm-hmm. um, so yeah I just kept going and then uh, two years ago I was in, at another Folk Alliance conference and. Um, I this guy named Jim Pugh approached me and said, "Hey, you know, I started this nonprofit called Little Village Foundation. Um, do you wanna? I would love to record you. I didn't know anything about this guy, mm-hmm. and um, my friend Maurice said, you know, I know this guy, and whatever you do, say yes. <laughs> Don't say no. <laughs> Trust like he, me. <laughs> like he's kind of a big deal. Like he knows him, you know. Yeah. And 
I said, okay. So, uh, you know, he says, I would love to record you. I said, well, I already have a producer in LA and, you know, he said, well, what about, what if we did this project where you recorded Sugar Pie DeSanto? Then you're we, like, we could do a tribute to her. Did you do one of the like, cartoon takes? <laughs> 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 well, I mean, I, did, I don't, I mean, maybe some of my songs sound like there's a little bit of blues in it, mm-hmm. and here, but I, would, I never imagined doing an R&B album, mm-hmm. ever. And so I said, why not? What the hell? I mean, I saw Sugar Pie a few years ago at some uh, festival in, in Oregon. Mm-hmm. So we recorded this album. And with Sugar Pie Descent? With, with her, of her songs. Oh, of her songs. It was okay. a tribute, okay. yeah. Okay, okay. And, um, and while we were in the studio, I had just started my color-coded symphony project, which is, it wasn't what it is today. It was more like recording people playing music in their backyard. Mm-hmm. Like when I was in Germany, I recorded th- these refugees playing music from wow. their country. Yeah. And wow. so I had video coverage of that. And I have friends from my world music band that would play music in their backyard we just people just just kind of like my my family's living room and we would get together i was gonna say it's like a living it's like intimate yeah and just playing their music so i was gonna do a collection of that and and uh, i already started videotaping and i said look look up these are my uncles i was just telling him about what i and he says why don't you bring them in the studio so these are my uncles who you know i don't think they've ever been in a studio or left their the living room playing music so we brought him in and we recorded, you know, these, and my aunt was there, my uncle's wife happened to be, so she got to sing on the too. So they sang like uh, two songs, I think, or maybe more, I don't remember. And so they got to be on the album. And I, I honestly, it. that was the best part for me because it was very sentimental mm-hmm. for me to have them there. And so, because there was a huge, they're a huge inf- influence mm-hmm. on why I love music. Right. And now you have this thing for posterity yes that you all did together yeah so So, uh so we did that and then through that recording we start we um recruited carlos zielcita who is um a filipino harmonica player and he plays blues and he's played with sugar pie so he said hey do you want to play harp on this song so he was on the album and through him and his, uh, he, him and his wife at the time uh, started uh, SF, a Fil- Filipino-American Jazz, San Francisco Filipino-American Jazz Association. Okay. I'm sorry if I said that wrong. That's okay. But um, they have this, they had this organization. And so they said, look, we're working with Asian Art Museum. Do you want to come? You know, we want to honor Sugar Pie. Maybe you can play. And so we did that. And from there, I got to meet the uh, the person Sylvia Chang, who uh, dealt with the programs for for the Asian Art Museum. And so she says, "Hey, do you want to have lunch? I want to talk about the program." And I said, "Sure." And uh, I was a little bit surprised. I mean, what venue asks you to have lunch? Just you know. <laughs> yeah. But she really, she genuinely want likes to get to know the people that they're working with. Very so yes. Yeah, so we had lunch and um, just at a conversation, I was. We were talking about things, and I brought up Color Coded Symphony. I said, wouldn't it be cool to just have a concert in the dark where you just listen, and you don't, you know, you don't know who's playing. You just listen to this amazing music, and then we turn the lights on, and then you see that we are, we're all this diverse set of musicians, and she's like, okay, well, I have an opening in September. It's yours if you want it. <laughs> Another cartoon moment. Like, Is this real? <laughs> yeah, really. Wow. And um, cool. no, that speaks to what a good idea it is. Like, 
I, I think. Yeah, I'd like to think so. Yeah. So this was in January, I think, or February that we had that lunch. And she says, I have an opening in September. It's yours if you want it. And how could you say no? Yeah. Um, I mean, it was something that I thought oh, maybe someday, you know, because it would require, you know, amazing musicians and coordination. And so I had to. I had to turn on and like, okay, I got to make this happen. Mm -hmm. So I recruited the band members from Little Village Foundation okay. that we recorded with. Um, and so I had that and then I had to collect, I, I just kind of defined it even even more. Mm -hmm. So the program is now in three parts. Okay. The first part is in the dark where we, you just listen to familiar sounds like lullabies and okay. then unfamiliar sounds, lullabies in different languages or the same lullaby in different languages. So I contacted all my friends, you know, in different parts of the world. And so, so, um, how many people are we talking about playing? Uh, so there's 10 band members okay. right now. Yeah. Uh, so that's in the dark. And then we turn the lights on and we have a featured country. And so we premiered at the Asian Art Museum with Philippines. Mm -hmm. So there she had the Kalintang, which are gongs. Mm -hmm. And it was also Filipino-American History Month. Okay. So was, that was the theme. September? September of 2017. 2017, okay. And then, um, and then the third part is we asked the audience members to pick from a jar, to write their ethnic origins, put it in a jar, and then I pull it out and I'll play 30 seconds of audio from rhythm from that country. How Whoa, how does that work? Well, I, I work... <laughs> As an artist, how do... How, like, are there curveballs? And you're like, oh, wow, I don't know what... There were curveballs. Uh, so I've, we've only done it twice, and okay. there were curveballs. The first time, it was just me being nervous and brain fart and uh -oh. whatever. But, um, you know, I realized... So how I made it work was I created a spreadsheet of all the countries of the world. Uh. And I knew this uh, ethnomusicologist in LA, and I said, here's a spreadsheet of all these countries. Can you give me like audio from each country? Something from each. Yeah, oh so it. he came back to me with links to audio from each of those countries. And he didn't have all of one for each particular one, but he said, if you pick this country, refer to this one, because it it's the same region. Got it. And so- You uh, came prepared. Yes, I came prepared and I actually compressed. So I listened to every single audio and I comp I narrowed it down to 30 seconds each. I kind of uh, listened to the essence of the rhythms and narrowed it down to 30 seconds. Okay. So back to the show, I, I'll, I'll pull out from the jar and I'll play 30 seconds. And then the band will improvise a brand new piece inspired by those 30 seconds. So the idea is to connect us to rhythms of the world and create something brand new. Via someone in the audience. Yeah, and it's just kind of like a way to connect to the audience and um, just kind of explore how we're all connected and create something cool that's brand new. You know? I was just thinking like putting myself in that, in that um, event. I'm sure some of the folks in attendance who put their their origins or their ethnicity in that they, they might not even know the the music of their ancestors. Right. So now That's they're possibly. here. They're exp they're exploring their own heritage. Yeah. They're possibly for the first time. And what and what's so cool. what's interesting though is uh, so last year or the yeah last year the last one I did a tally. So I'm learning as I go. And so I did a tally of all. I looked at every single entry. And most of them are mixed. There right. is not one, just one. 
you know, a lot of, you know, and um, a lot of countries recovered. And I also wanted to, even though I didn't pull it, I, I also wanted to highlight countries that are in the news, mm-hmm. like I did Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I realized it's not just about countries. There's also territories mm-hmm. like Puerto Rico. We pulled Puerto Rico. I said, oh, I didn't. This is not on my spreadsheet, you mm-hmm. know. And so I, I have to gather territories, too, in Palestine, for example. Right. So it's so I'm learning too, and um, but the band is incredible. You know, I I mean I trust the band. I know that we're gonna create something beautiful because everybody's open-minded, and we're all in a space of, you know, our mission is to get people to be curious about other cultures, and we're all in that same mindset, and so we're we're just sitting in a playground. I mean, I'm, I'm not just, it's not just me. They're actually doing most of the work. <laughs> I mean, I bring it to the table and then it's all of us in the sandbox. And so our last show was at the Freight and Salvage with, and our featured country was India. So we had Aki Kumar and Manesh Judge who plays tabla. And Aki Kumar brings this thing, uh, Bollywood blues. And uh, I don't know if you've heard of him, but he's, I met him through Little Village Foundation. He's a label mate. And I said, oh, it would be so cool to have him, uh, you know, as our second featured artist. And so, um, and wouldn't it be cool to hear Lisa? Lisa Anderson is this incredible vocalist. And she's, you know, she's, she learned how to sing in Hindi. And so to see this woman who's not even Indian sing in Hindi, it was just mind blowing. So I like, we got to have you on. So it's just incredible. And um, so from that, I realized I want to keep doing this and I want to do more of it and I want to take it to schools and areas that are not exposed to diversity. And and so, you know, I'm learning about grants, writing grants, Mm -hmm. how to get other funding. And that's a whole other world. It's a whole nother world. And so I decided, you know, I need to focus on this more and I maybe it's time to slow down and. And it's because it's been honestly the last year or two has been difficult just driving. I mean, most part of my huge part of my job is driving mm-hmm. from here to there, <laughs> right? <laughs> loading and unloading. I mean, you're never like, far away from your kitchen, at least. <laughs> That's true. Just reaching the back seat. <laughs> um, is there another color coded symphonies in the work? So I'm works. I'm, me. Yes, I'm working on it. In fact, I just got a grant by the. Um, Center for Cultural Innovation, uh, and they—I got a grant from them to take uh, a class on writing grant proposals. Okay. So I'm going to do that and um, and just explore getting you know getting more grants. And I, I want to take this to more places. And you know I want to feature a different country every time. So there's always going to be something new. Mm-hmm. Uh, so no show is ever going to be the same. Right. So right now I'm working on new content for the dark portion, like maybe streetscapes, soundscapes from the streets or whatever, or something. I don't know yet. I'm still creating that. And then maybe, you know, I'm still trying to figure out another country to feature Mm -hmm. and maybe play more than once a year and do like I want to do India again Mm -hmm. at another location. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I can't I still want to travel. I'm always, you know, I always have wanderlust. Mm -hmm. So that's always going to be there. So maybe just you know, do that less, not, travel less, but still play my own stuff. But maybe not, doesn't have to be everywhere. You can just be here locally and focus on color-coded. That was Irene Espiritu. 
Check back next week when we'll hear from the creator and host of Bitch Talk Podcast, Aaron Lim. Music for Storied San Francisco is by Otis McDonald. Photography for this episode is by me, Jeff Hunt. I also host and produce the show. Our website is storiedsf.com, where you can browse more than 100 episodes, check out all of our live events, and visit our store to help support us. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and subscribe to the show on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. If that's Apple Podcasts or iTunes, please do us a favor and rate and review what we do. And if you have any feedback for us or suggested guests, our email is storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.